Hi there, folks, and welcome to NTI's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajima again. Thanks for joining us today. Great to have you with us. And a big thank you for your sponsorship inquiries, too. I'm happy to report that we've got our first couple of sponsors, the first of which is Alex Watanabe from Snaps.talk. Now, he's a super talented photographer from Tokyo, and you may have already seen his work if you've happened to check out the uh, photo gallery from our Tokyo seminar that we did last year. I'll link to that one again in this episode's show notes. But to be fair to Alex, he can do a lot better than uh, what he did for the seminar in a space that's better suited for photography, like a studio or a staged area. So if you want to look like a Hollywood star on your social media or capture a special moment like your child's birthday or you need high-resolution photos for a sales brochure or for your company website, snaps.talk is the place to turn to. They offer professional photography and videography shootings for social media and print in Tokyo. They're experienced, they're flexible, and they're super affordable. So their rates start from just 3,000 yen, so less than 30 bucks. And photos can be delivered as data, of course, or printed out in several sizes from postcard to poster. So feel free to contact Alex on snaps.talk at gmail.com. That's snaps, as in photographs, dot talk, T-O-K, for inquiries. And also check out snaps.talk on Instagram for their project samples. You will definitely not be disappointed. Now, as for our second sponsor, I'll tell you all about them at the end of the episode. So make sure to keep listening after the recording, especially if you're business-oriented. Well worth the wait. Now, this recording that we're going to hear is another conversation that we had with a new client, uh, this one from Hong Kong. And again, the topic is countryside homes, which can be turned into guest houses or uh, yokans. As you've probably heard me mention time and time again this year, the COVID pandemic, uh, which, by the way, is rearing its ugly head again uh, here in Japan, we're okay in Fukuoka, uh, somewhere between 10 to 20 new daily cases for the entire prefecture, but Hokkaido and Tokyo are gaining around 200 new cases per day each, and the country as a whole is well over 1,000 daily new cases, sometimes topping even 2,000. But as far as the property market goes, at least, there is a silver lining here, which is, uh, again, as we've discussed on a few occasions this year, that property prices are significantly softer, uh, mainly in Tokyo and, of course, uh, in Osaka, Nagoya, to some degree in other cities as well, but most of all in the countryside, where prices were ridiculously low to begin with, they're now even uh, more affordable. And since a lot of these are hospitality properties, so they're, particularly the older onsen-type homes, they're completely bereft of all tourists, save from some domestic travelers, and they're extremely anxious to sell, or at least many of them are. So a lot of our clients have been quick to pounce on this opportunity, and they've nabbed some excellent deals all around the country. I'll link to one of those in the episode show notes as well. And this new client that we've spoken to is no different. So the main topics that we discussed with her, uh, aside from the obvious property hunt itself, are related to the various hoops that one has to jump through to start and run such a business, particularly if they don't actually reside in Japan, like this lovely lady. So we talk licensing, management, staffing, and all other things related to guest house business operations. Really information-packed uh, chat that I think many of you who are considering launching such a business would probably find value in. I know I certainly did. So enjoy this conversation, and I shall see you again on the other side. Well, I've been listening to a few of your podcasts. They're very informative. Oh, like, great. Thank you. <laughs> I love your sharing. 
Okay, so I looked at the uh, list of properties. So you're really you're really looking at uh, straight out Akias, right? Like uh, as close to abandoned as possible, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, for the price, um, it's more comfortable for me that price range. Um, but definitely, also looking at the location, uh, Nakano, it's really where my heart is. Uh, although I've never been, but uh, it seems like it's a good location for someone who you know. If uh, they're going to Nagano and then they want to visit multiple resorts, uh, ski resorts, yep. and if they're driving, then I think it's a very good place. And for myself as well, uh, when they're not for rental, then you know I can myself can stay there as well. Okay, but you do recognize mm-hmm. that the older the place is, the more you'll have to put into it renovation-wise. So you just want to be aware of what the budget is actually going to end up being uh, after all said and done. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I did uh, did very preliminary research online. Oh, okay, how much is it? To, you know, just the uh, basic stuff. But structural wise, uh, I wouldn't know. Um, for the very basic, like how to you know put in a new bath, uh, if there's like a new toilet or a new mats or a new wallpaper, those kind of small minus things. So um, I just wonder if there is any structural problem with the house. Would we be able to identify? Uh, before purchase or it's not possible um well it's possible but at your expense so with these um i mean normally mm-hmm. if it's a if it's a house that would be easily sold and easily tenantable um then you know the sellers might not want to wait until you finish with inspections and so forth because they might have other buyers lined up but mm. in the cases of these older properties that have um, either been on the market for a while or are going to be on the market for a while because there's not a lot of people buying them, uh, in mm. those cases, they should be in most cases um, okay with them just waiting for you to have an inspection. Um, but that's right. something that you'll need to pay for. So it's um, okay. depending on the property and the location, somewhere between uh, $1,000 to $2,000 per property that you're going to get inspected. Okay, okay. So like USD, correct? Yes, yes. Okay. 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 It sounds reasonable. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. So uh, it, until until you end up looking at twenty of them, and then it's going to be a quite an expense. <laughs> yeah. No, I hope just a few. Um, because I'm not sure. Uh, I do hear people say, "Oh, there are a lot of um Akia out there, um, that didn't even make it online." Uh, like being there in person would be better. Uh, people can you know go talk to realtors. Um, and then they probably have others on hand. I'm not sure if that's true or not, or if that would make a huge difference, or if those are even older houses. But then, um, yeah, so Akia, it's, I would be interested. Like for a town like Nakano, it's smaller. Um, and then I can understand not a lot going on there. Probably population is like they're aging, and then people are not moving into that town. Um, and then so more of them might become available Um and price are just very reasonable. But um, there is one in particular that really draws my interest is that it was built in the 1990s, like 1994, yep. uh, which compared to the other ones there, it's relatively newer, like about 25, 26 years old. Yep. Um, and now it, it looks okay from the picture, but mm. I'm not sure if there will be other uh, problems with it. So I will need your help in um, you know, finding a good realtor. and Yeah. Um, Tell me more about that. Well, the way that it usually works is you let us know which locations in particular you're interested in, and then we would be contacting local realtors on your behalf, so anybody who's serving that area. 
Um, and then they, of course, have access to the Akia Bank websites as well, but they also have their own listings that are not in those databases. Mm. Um, and then they would um, hopefully, I mean, once we explain that they'll never have to, um, you know, speak to a scary foreigner in English or anything like that, then they, they should be okay working with us. Right. And hopefully send us listings that they've got, um, and then we can start reviewing them or doing inspections or whatever you want one by one. So we'll okay. we'll work with the realtor to get the listings, and then we'll work with the local architecture company to get the inspections done. Okay. And then okay. once you're satisfied, we can also... I mean, you, you can, of course, come to Japan uh, once they allow people in again, but we can also do everything right. everything remotely on your behalf, so it, it's totally up to you. And th the place is designated to be strictly a business, or are you going to first be using it yourself, or what's the plan? It would be a mix. Actually, I'm quite flexible. It also depends... Uh, like we've talked about on the email, like, um, of course, I do have the idea of running it, you know, uh, putting it online for a short-term uh, rental, like Airbnb or other platforms. Um, and then it's mostly during the winter season, the, 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 the busy seasons where people go, um, you know, snowboard and ski around in Nagano or Niigata. Um, and then also, you know, during summertime was super slow, no, nobody go there, then I can go there myself with my family, it's kind of like a vacation home when it's not ran. Um, and I understand how many Paku, it's only 180 days that we can, uh, you know, rent it out. But go back to the, the, the first question um, that we discussed during our email. Um, it, if there are any Minpaku administrator that, you know, take care of management of the Minpaku and also um, uh, getting the license, as well, because um, from what I saw online, um, a lot of the Minpaku, the, the management company, they are mainly in Tokyo, Osaka, or sometimes in Fukuoka and Hokkaido. Um, I, I'm not sure about Nagano. It there are, there like are, unfortunately, there are close to none there. Close um, to none, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, usually the way people do that when they do want to run a place like that is they mm. hire staff because part of the Minpaku requirements is that you have 24-hour um, um, designated staff uh, mm. or, or yourself who are living in the area or very mm. in the property or very close to it. And mm. um, so in the cities, like you said, that can be worked around with management companies that have staff, you know, in various places in the city that are available. But out there, there's not going to be anyone like that. So um, mm. if you were planning to actually run a Minpaku business, you would need to hire somebody who's actually going to be either living in the property or close to it. Mm. Um, Does that mean I would have to go down to start my own business route and then... Um, and then hire someone that way? Yes, that's correct, unless you're mm -hmm. going to be living in the property yourself. But also the other question would be, um, to get the license, I, I think, I read it somewhere, I'm not 100% sure, um, that uh, the applicant or the person has to have like a long-term visa to stay in Japan. For example, if I, because I am not from Japan, I don't have residency there, I don't have a work visa, um, either. So if I, you know, I go ahead and put in the application uh, without having a business license of any sort, um, then would they take my application? If I am the house owner, I own a house, but I don't live there. I don't have long-term permission to live there. Um, we would have to look into that for you. I'm not sure if that's a national mm -hmm. thing or if it's a regional thing. It could be that 
part of the Minpakulo mm. actually specifies that um, overall, but it could also be just a regional thing. Um, so mm. I, I can, I mean, you can definitely open a business without being a resident. That's not issue, an issue. So you open a, a Japanese company or a branch of a foreign company, and for that you don't need residency. Um, for mm. some sorts of company, like for example, if you want to open a Japanese bank account, you'd need a specific kind of company that would also require um, a local representative, somebody who is a resident of Japan. Mm. And then if you've got that kind of person um, on your staff, it doesn't have to be a full-time job. I mean, we provide that service to some of our customers as well. And but if you have oh, that, sure. yeah, but if you have that kind of person as a member. Uh, of your staff as your representative here in Japan, then that should, I think, again, it'll take some digging into, but I think that should satisfy that requirement if it exists. Oh, um, I was, initially I was thinking, oh, further down the line, I would, that would be probably phase two or phase three of my plan to, you know, ultimately have my own business there um, and then to manage the the property I have for, for short-term rental. But if, yeah, I would like to hear more, actually. I've never... I haven't done research down that route yet because it's a little too complicated for my comprehension. But <laughs> yeah. if you do that service for um, your clients, if you provide that service, I would like to hear more about that as well. Well, I think the first step would be to find out whether if we do that for you, if you do have a representative here, whether that satisfies the requirement for uh, Minpaku purposes. Um, so maybe the first step would be to find out exactly what you would need to set up this kind of business. And then we'll see if the solution that we can provide or other companies can provide suits that. Um, um, but there are other requirements as well. So depending on the area that you choose, each local municipality would have its own bylaws uh, for running a Minpaku business. Um, mm. For example, minimum distance to, uh, like you listened to in the last podcast episode, minimum distance to public facilities or, or daycare facilities and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so I guess the way we would probably do it, if it is designated to be a business from the get-go or at least close to it, the, probably the way to do it as opposed to the previous people that we spoke to would be to First, pinpoint some areas and viable properties that you would consider purchasing in those areas. And then before we actually pull the trigger and help you with actually purchasing one of those, we would need to, um, one, contact the local authority and see what they require and whether that property um, complies with what they need for it to be run as a minpaku. And then when the architecture company comes to just do the general building inspection, they can also tell you what it would cost to bring that building up to speed with Minpaku regulations if that's required. And I'm guessing most of them would need at least some work done. Mm -hmm. um, so minimum space for guest rooms as a percentage of the common areas, minimum, um, minimum uh, fire and safety requirements and that sort of thing. So mm -hmm. maybe right. we would need a list of locations from you or if you've already okay. got like you've sent me a list of particular properties. And then if you can prioritize them for me and let me know which one you're most interested in and then go down the list from there. Okay. And then we'll okay. be able to make inquiries on those particular areas. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah, good. Thank you for planning out for me. <laughs> no worries. And then I, yeah, I do have quite a bit of uh, question. Like, for example, now, like, no, nobody's allowed, you know, no foreigner leisure, at least travel visa are allowed. In Japan, so how are people in general? Are they comfortable purchasing property without, you know, um, 
being able to go there and visit in person or well yeah, our customers like, our customers are about 80 85% of them are purely long term lease kind of investors so they're Mm. buying properties that would normally have tenants already in them unless they specifically want oh, to buy okay. vacant for any reason. And okay. in those cases, just tenancy laws in Japan don't even allow them to enter a property while it's being tenanted. So there's no inspection. Right. They can't enter the property right. and see what's going on. So vast majority of our customers, even before Corona, were buying uh, remotely. And it, I mean, the best they can do when they come here is just walk around the building or look at a particular area. <laughs> But unless the property happens to be vacant at the time, they're not going to be able to do much more than that. So for them, it was never an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, the customers oh, okay. the customers that did come here before they purchased just did it because they wanted to meet us face-to-face or to look at a particular uh-huh. area that we were recommending and mm-hmm. just to get a feel for a location. Um, but in your case, you're talking about... I mean, customers that buy for personal use do come here because obviously they're buying vacant. They want to look at the property and they want to see that they're... Um, you know, that they fall in love with the place before they buy it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. But investors usually are quite okay with buying remotely. Yeah. Uh, I understand, I understand, I understand, I understand. But I would assume for a remote place that I'm looking into, like for example, Nagano, uh, Nigata, well, Nagano not so remote, but then uh, Nagano is like a smaller town. Um, rental, long, like long-term rental wouldn't Not really, be... I wouldn't go for that area now. Right. <laughs> I mean, Nagano, Nagano City, maybe, but not not the rest right, of the right. prefecture. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I understand. I understand. Mm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't have a lot of questions actually. Uh, you have answered most most of them for me. Those that are that I had in my mind. Um. Or maybe a few more actually. Let me look at my notes. Um. Oh. Um. My sister. As I was talking. Talked talking about my sister who were initially interested in this project with me as yeah. well, but then um, yeah, but then she now she opted out. She has two two kids. It's a lot to, uh, for her, um, and then but she did bring up the point because for in Hong Kong, um, when we buy a flat, um, the land is just on lease. Like the the owner, they don't buy the land. They don't own the land. Um, so for Japan, when we buy a house or a condo, like we buy the land as well. Is that correct? Yes, Japan is the only country in Asia-Pacific where foreigners can buy without any limitations. So the land is all freehold, um, except mm-hmm. some very specific um, agricultural or cultural protected areas. But um, mm. we would never be operating in those areas anyway. So okay. everything okay. is freehold, at least as far as our customers are concerned. Yeah. Okay. And also, uh, in purchasing an IKEA, is that any different from purchasing other vacant houses? Um, uh, the procedure, or as a foreigner, is there any restriction? Um, that no. Kind of thing? no, no, no. Oh. Mm. Okay. Okay, perfect. And um, I have heard um, online for for people, they say when they purchase, for example, an IKEA, and then uh, the book value or registered value, uh, that the government holds, it's very different from their the the selling price. Correct. In a, right. So, uh, in our case, is it possible to check it beforehand, or usually, uh, would it does that happen often, or how does that go with? Well, I mean, the pay? seller the seller would have the last property tax statement, which also includes the last official evaluation. So that would be available mm-hmm. once we put an offer in. I mean, they don't tend to provide all of these documents before they have an offer on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would be available. But I just got to ask, 
how would that affect your decision? I mean, market price and official evals are vastly different in the most vast majority of cases, but how does that affect anything in your decision though? It's just um, factoring in the tax uh, part of it, um, preparing for the budget and then just the whole calculation. Yeah. Um, well, you'll see what yeah. the you'll see what the property tax is before you purchase, so you'll know mm -hmm. what to expect for the next few years at least. Um, mm -hmm. But because you're going to be running a business, I think you probably, I mean, property tax could be two or three hundred bucks a year, but um, the accounting and bookkeeping and corporate tax uh, minimums that you'll need to pay is going to be a few thousand dollars a year. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that would be the bigger expense to consider, um, especially mm -hmm. if you're buying a smaller places, um, you know, say up to five or six bedrooms or guest rooms that's only going to be generating a certain amount for a year and probably only during the winter. Um, you really want to carefully evaluate that. I can tell you that from our other customers' experience, a place that's running less than 10 or 12 rooms is usually not a very good business investment unless you're actually running it yourself. Mm. Uh, if you factor in the, um, the cost of um, hiring staff and paying for everyone to do the, uh, paying for people to do the cleaning and mm -hmm. um, paying for somebody to maybe go and pick up guests once in a while, that sort of thing is usually, for smaller structures, it's not a very profitable endeavor. I just, probably mm -hmm. something that you should be aware of in advance. Um, I mean, it works, again, it works if you're living there and doing it yourself, but if you're hiring people to do everything, you probably want to get a bigger place, not those places that you were looking at. Right. Otherwise, oh, it's the, just the... not, not going to be very profitable, I think. Mm. In the in the beginning, of course, having someone to manage it would be the best. Like they take twenty or thirty percent of commission, and then cleaning fee, and then other miscellaneous charges. Maybe no, but you're not gonna then. you're not gonna be able to do that there. That's the thing. Yeah, you're know, gonna be then, you're gonna have to pay somebody a monthly salary to actually live there and manage the place. And for just would you know the uh, ballpark figure for you know hiring some someone full time? Because I have no idea of the labor market. Uh, what the wages are like in Japan, uh, would you have any idea? Well, the best course of action, I'm guessing also you want to be catering to foreign guests eventually. So the best mm. course of action would probably be to hire somebody who's bilingual. Mm. Um, and from what I heard from other companies who do that, um, Craigslist or student union and notice boards, places where you might be able to find somebody who'd be happy to actually get their room and board as part of the salary package that might save you a few bucks on salary. Oh, yeah. interesting. Thank you. Yeah. I yeah mean, if you're looking at a, a native Japanese person who can also speak English enough to communicate mm. with guests, um, in that particular area, I'm guessing you're <laughs> not going to find too many of them. So you'll have to sort of import someone from a big city and then that's going to be a pretty hefty salary, I think. So... I think maybe young people who are actually looking for something that includes room and board would be a better bet. Oh, great, great. Good idea. Um, now that we're touching on this topic, actually, um, a couple of my other friends in Hong Kong, because, well, actually, this topic of, you know, moving overseas is being brought up in Hong Kong quite often yeah, in, my, I can imagine. in my community, at least, um, because of the all the social unrest and political changes um, and then uh, so there are we, I do have friends um, that are interested but I think his interest in is in Hokkaido um, 
and then he's actually thinking about Hokkaido in the winter and then Okinawa in the summertime which would be perfect and I think he is also thinking about uh, the route of you know starting his own company um, and then hiring either locally or hiring from Hong Kong moving someone from Hong Kong to help him manage um, the business um, in Japan okay um, so yeah if we can if I can you know we can talk more about uh, going down this route and how you could help then I can probably uh, share with him as well if he's you know uh, I'm not sure if he's just talking about it or if he's actually um, has the very if he really really want to go for it but I think he'll be interested as well um, does he speak Japanese though because who's ever running the place will need to communicate with local suppliers and that sort of thing Yeah, so he does not, uh, but then we have a couple other friends who do speak um, Japanese. They study abroad in Japan during college for a couple of years, so they do speak um, Japanese fluently, um, at least daily conversation for something that is like legal uh, legal document that I'm not sure if they are able to do that, but then they mm -hmm. are very fluent in spoken um, Japanese. Okay, that's good. And mm -hmm. would any of those people also be a potential co-investor, just so you can get a bigger place that would be worth running as a business? Because if you're just going for these tiny up to five, six mm. rooms, it might not be worth it again. Mm. Um, that I'm not quite sure because um, when he looked, we looked at properties together sometimes, and then when he looked at Hokkaido properties, he is also looking at like maybe three, four rooms property that rent out as uh, Airbnb. I'm not sure in his mind how many of those he's like of those house, house, houses he's trying to purchase but then um, it might be he might be interested if that's a better option I think um, just what, what, whatever makes better sense I think. Well three just let him know also that three four rooms mm. unless he's going to be living in them and running them himself three four rooms mm. are not going to be worth hiring people to manage for you. And even the management companies who charge a commission, they don't tend to take on a place that's less than about 10 rooms. It's just not worth their while. So okay. you, if you do want to run it as a business and set up a company that's going to have company upkeep costs, I think you want to think a little bit bigger than those property samples that you've sent to me. Mm, okay. Okay, mm. I understand. Like, okay. I do like for a lot of... Uh, I heard there are quite a few... Um, abandoned or closing uh, smaller uh, ryokan or hotels. Something like that, that yeah, that would be much better. Uh, a yokan that's going out of business and has, say, like eight, nine, ten rooms, um, mm -hmm. that would be a lot better to start with. And they're also probably better built to cater to guests, so you won't have to do much. They've already had the uh, in-license, so there's not mm -hmm. going to be much um, renovation required to bring them up to that. Oh, okay, so when we purchase, um, if... We do choose that route. Buying those property, they usually come with the license already. Does the license go together with the property or with the person who licenses? The license goes with the combination uh, owner property. So it's a unique license to that owner property combination. But mm -hmm. you can continue operating on that license until to, to you apply for the new one. And the fact oh. that they've already received the license means that it'll be fairly easy for you to reapply for it. You're not going to have to make too many big changes to the place. That's the only thing. Ah, Whereas if you're buying a house that was just a, a normal residential house, then you will need to convert it to, to comply. Mm, okay. Understand. Understand. Um, yeah, good. Um, I will talk to my friend and see if, you know, he does think about Hokkaido. Um, and I know if he'll be interested in Nagano where I have my interest in. Yeah. Um, 
it'll be perfect. And then so yeah, I'll take your advice and then see um, if we can uh, go down the you know starting our business. So uh, sorry, I didn't catch earlier that you said um, that you can help with that as well. You mean starting with the business or? Uh, well, we can put you in touch with an accountant and a judicial scrivener mm. who can help you set up the company. And okay. when you speak to them, if you if you find out that you actually need a company which can open a local bank account and you need a company which has a local representative, then we can provide that service. So um, one of us can be your local representative who's a resident of Japan. We charge uh, 20,000 yen a month for this service. And then okay. you have a local um, CEO or branch manager kind of thing. Okay. And that does not have to be a local Japanese, right? It has to be a, a long-term resident of Japan. So it'll be someone, uh, someone from our company. Okay. Uh, but you can set up a company that doesn't have a local representative, just a branch office or sales office of a foreign company. Um, but oh. in that case, I'm not sure you'll be, I mean, you'll need to speak to the accountant. I'm not sure how easy it is to open a local bank account uh, for that kind of company. But you may not need that. I mean, you may be able to just charge your guests via the foreign company. Oh, okay. That's interesting because my friend does have a, his own business here in Hong Kong. He uh, has a recruitment company. Okay. So I'm not sure if, let's say, he... If it'll be easier to for him to have a branch in Japan from a recruitment company, you know, becoming a real estate uh, company in Japan, would that would that be possible, or does it have to be the same uh, business, so to say, to have I a branch in Japan? Don't think that should be an issue. I mean, the place oh, can okay. be purchased and run under an already existing company that does different things as well. Oh, okay. uh, I don't think okay, it has to be a specifically real estate related company. I mean, it can be a trading company or it can be an accommodation based company. I mean, it can be a lot of things. Um, but uh, really, the accountant would be the better person to give you answers for that. So I can put you in touch okay. with one if you want. Oh, okay. That would be, that would be perfect. Yeah. Um, I do want to explore more down that route. Okay. Um, yeah, perfect. Perfect. All and right. uh, you yeah. had the one question in your email that I haven't answered about uh, natural disaster prone areas. Right, correct, correct. Um, so that usually refers to areas that are prone to landslides. Um, mm -hmm. They can't really designate areas that are prone for earthquakes because otherwise half the country would be like in a danger zone. But um, <laughs> that usually refers to landslides. And landslides are covered by insurance if they are caused by an earthquake because your earthquake insurance will cover anything that's indirectly related to the earthquake as well. Might not be covered in case of a typhoon. But in any case, you're running into that same um, official evaluation thing. So your insurance policy um, payout is based on the official evaluation of the property. Um, so I wouldn't expect 100% of the purchase price to come back to you in case of a disaster. I'd say 50, 60% at best. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Understand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, good. All right. Thank you. Yep, yeah, that's, um, that's it. For okay. now, I'm sure if I, I might have more questions later, but then, yeah, I, I think I can email you that. Or mm -hmm. then I'll be very interested in talking to the accountant about, you know, starting business um, in Japan. And how about um, now that Japan, you know, not at the moment, um, uh, how are it taking 
new uh, business visas, like now that the border is still not fully open? Visas are still a bit of an issue here. Renewing them mm. and issuing new visas are still not not really a thing. But I think, um, mm. I mean, they're letting resident, they, they didn't even let resident foreigners back into the country until right. now. And now they're letting us uh, back in if we leave. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully if there aren't any second, third, fourth waves, um, we should see the tourists, I hope, coming back at least by early next year. Right. Um, but I think just based on everything that we've spoken on uh, about so far, before you actually go looking at uh, setting up companies and visas, um, do you want to maybe talk to your friends and see how you're going to solve the minimum size, budget, uh, staff thing? Because if we just go plowing on ahead and set up a company and you start paying uh, annual upkeep costs and then it's you know it's going to end up another two or three years of saving before you can buy a place that's big enough to be profitable, mm. um, you might be better off just doing that when you're actually closer to pulling the trigger, I think. Okay. Just, just trying to save you money. I mean, we're happy to take your money yeah, yeah, and yeah. represent you at any point, but um, maybe just plan a little bit ahead and... Because, again, if we go ahead and buy a place like that, like the ones that you've sent to me now, mm. so we can buy them individually under your name or we can buy them under a company that you set up. But I very much doubt you'll be able to make any money off them um, before, you've actually, before you've actually solved the uh, staffing and the, um, the renovations that might be required and so forth. So m- maybe a bit more research before we actually jump, jump head first into it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. So if you want us to research Minpaku requirements and architecture companies for any particular areas that you're interested in, let me know and we'll just bill you by the hour. That'll be cheaper too. Okay. And then okay, we yeah. can give you some more info on that particular area that will help you just better evaluate what you'll need to put into a place that you're going to buy. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. I have those um, the hourly information that so we can go that route as well for researches. So there you have it. Not as simple as it is in other countries, particularly for those among you who are uh, not planning on living in the property and running the business on your own. So well worth considering all of the associated costs and procedures that are involved. And if you're going to be marketing the place online, like most guest house owners do these days, you probably want to get in touch um, with our second sponsor that I've mentioned, not only you, but So if you happen to have or you're working for a business that's doing any kind of online sales or just promoting or looking to promote uh, any sort of online presence, uh, let me introduce you to a close contact of ours, aptly named Humble Bunny. Now, aside from being really great at naming businesses, what Humble Bunny do is they offer digital sales and traffic optimization for companies that are really trying to find that next phase of growth. So they've worked with some very well-known brands like Coca-Cola, Bowles, Ralph Lauren, but also with a whole bunch of medium-sized businesses as well, which is really their bread and butter. And they've got a hyper-results-oriented portfolio of successful case studies that you can check out. But most importantly, they're really amazing listeners. They just seem to get it uh, when talking business targets and even, you know, God forbid, internal politics, which is the case for some of you uh, bigger business staffers out there. So I was checking out some of their case studies recently, and I've noted that they brought one smaller brand from something like 40 conversions a month, conversions being sales, and all the way up to over 600, and that's in less than a year and on a pretty limited budget. So if you're looking to implement or bolster an e-commerce strategy or just generate more traffic, whether it's from Japan or elsewhere, shoot them an email at inquisitive at humblebunny.com and ask to connect directly with Nate. 
Let them know that you found them on the Japan Real Estate Podcast or just mention that you were referred by NTI and that should get you uh, through the door and well on your way to a profitable and well-oiled online marketing machine. So that's it from us for today, folks. Thank you so much for being with us and lending us your ear for the length of this episode. And if you did enjoy it, we would really appreciate it if you could hop onto the iTunes store or Spotify or wherever it might be that you're tuning in from and just leave us a short review or even just click on one of the stars to give us a star rating. We're hoping for five stars, of course, but whatever you honestly think we deserve would be great. And also, please share this podcast with your networks if you think there might be anyone in them who could also benefit from our content. And of course, also just let us know what you think. So leave us any comment or any question in the comment section of whichever social media posts have led you here. We would really love to know what you think and also to hear from you on any topic that you want us to discuss here on the podcast. After all, your interest is what keeps us going and keeps us in business. So the more the merrier. Hope to have you with us again next time. And until then, from all of us here at NTI, have a great day or night ahead. Stay safe, stay at home if you can. And if you do have to go out there, please wear your masks. Until next time, wishing you all the best. Yoroshiku. Thank you.